0: I think the name of the game right now, since especially August 2018, is really getting the search intent and hitting it straight on. So let's say for example, like uh, we we have a page that's talking about the benefits of fish oil. Like you can write a 20,000 word article on the benefits of fish oil and that's fine. But what if there's another query about like, does fish oil help with wrinkles or something like that? should you rank a 20,000 word benefits of fish oil page or just a does fish oil help uh, wrinkles? And I think the answer what Google's starting to go towards is you want to be concise. You want to be the one that answers a query completely and you don't want the reader to have to scroll to the bottom of a 20,000 word article and find their answer.
1: This is the WP Elevation Podcast. Helping WordPress consultants elevate. Just before we get into this episode of the podcast, I have a quick favour to ask. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on iTunes at wpelevation.com slash iTunes. Or if you're not an Apple user, you can get us on Stitcher Radio at wpelevation.com slash Stitcher. And please, if you are on iTunes, leave us a rating and a review. It really does help us come up in the search results and get the show in front of a wider audience. And we love your feedback and we read all of the reviews. Thanks in advance, now let's get back to the show. G'day folks, Troy Dean here and welcome to another episode of the WP Elevation podcast, the show where we help you start and grow your very own WordPress consulting business and I'm very pleased to have with me all the way from Chiang Mai in Thailand, our feature guest this week, Matt Diggity. Hey Matt, how you doing?
0: Doing really good, thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for being a part of it. How's Chiang Mai these days, man? I haven't been there for years. Chiang is doing good, man. Um, this is pretty much my home base. Um, I'm, I'm American, if you can't tell from the accent, but I've been living here for like five, six years, and there's no complaints. I yeah, just yeah. like the lifestyle out here, man. Super chilled out, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. Are
1: you are you um, are you kind of spiritually inclined? You do a lot of like yoga and meditation stuff because that's a big kind of thing in Chiang Mai, right?
0: Yeah, um, actually, that started back when I was in California, but I am a lot into yoga and meditation. I've meditated for the last year every day, every single morning. So, yeah, I'm into it. Awesome. Uh, It is a pretty big scene for that here, too. Yeah, yeah. No doubt. Yeah. Uh, How would you end up in Chiang Mai? Yeah, good question. So I guess we'll have to rewind it back to when I was an engineer back in California, electrical engineering, working in cubicles all the time um i knew from almost like a year into the career that it was just grueling and it was quite painful like literally physically painful sitting in the cubicle grinding all day but also just i don't know i didn't enjoy the job at all so what i would do is i would stack up the entire year of vacation days and just blast them all out in around december time frame and just go to a different country for like three to four weeks every Mm -hmm. every year and when I came to Thailand, and specifically Chiang Mai, it just felt like home for some reason. Mm. Uh, and then it was always like, in my journal, it'd be like, uh, I'd be talking about, yeah, I could totally live here. And then one day it just snapped, you know, like I, I literally totally could live there. And so I just pulled the trigger, quit the job, and packed my bags, sold all my crap, and moved over to Thailand. And wow. it's been a fun ride since. It's not even so much that, that Thailand is my permanent home. It's kind of like my base. I would say I'm traveling maybe 40% of the year, and wow. I love it, man. I absolutely love it. Um, did you have a plan when you quit your job and moved to Chiang Mai, or were you just going to kind of figure it out on the way? Kind of. So there, there was two rounds of quitting the job. The first round, and it's funny you asked about yoga and stuff. The first round, I just straight up quit. I was completely burnt out, and I just decided, you know, like, it's me time right now I'm gonna do what is the opposite of engineering and I decided to learn how to become a yoga teacher (laughs) so so yeah I I, uh, got certified to teach yoga and then this between uh, so after I learned to be a yoga teacher I ended up like getting a girlfriend and she wasn't down to just pack up and leave the country forever so I ended up having to go back to that job um, but knowing that and knowing that, like I tried yoga teaching for a while, didn't make that much money. It was a, it's a pretty hard hustle. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was looking into making money online, that kind of stuff, uh, fell into SEO immediately. And then once I had enough money or enough income to kind of feel comfortable leaving my day job and all that stuff and packing my bags, then I decided, okay, it's okay to pull the plug now and we'll be safe. I won't run out of money and that kind of thing. So you quit the job, to job they took you to back, job.
1: and then you quit again. Yeah. <laughs> you must be a good software engineer, dude. Um, <laughs> how did you learn to make money online, and how?
0: what was the first dollar you made online? Where did it come from? Oh, okay. So well, it was affiliate marketing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, there was a course um, from by Ed Dale. You know Ed Dale? From no, I know him country. very well. He's one of my mentors. I know him very well, yeah. All right, give them a shout out for me, man. Um, so that course, the 30 day challenge, um, we were, I was going to these meetup.com meetups, um, for, for the, for our work week Mm -hmm. and we would have like little, you know, book reviews and people would talk about their muses and stuff. And at that time, everyone was doing the 30 day challenge. It's like, what is this thing? And they're like, well, you do this thing called SEO. And then at the end of 30 days, you make $1. So I was like, okay, I'll try that out. And freaking worked. So. That was my first step into making online. It was SEO and I still do SEO now. So thanks, Ed. Good man.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, dude, it's such an interesting story. Um, I made my first $60 online by, uh, by starting an affiliate website uh, called eCoffeeMachines.com. And I was reviewing coffee machines Actually, I wasn't really. I was copying other people's reviews and just spinning them and yeah. uh, putting them up on my website, SEOing them, and then selling uh, coffee machine, uh, you know, as an affiliate on Amazon. I didn't sell any coffee machines, but that wasn't the point. Uh, I actually ended up selling the website on Flipper uh, for <laughs> sixty bucks. I was like, I just got to get this thing out of my life. I just would just get rid of it, and it was slightly <laughs> SEOed, and some guy offered me sixty bucks. I'm like, yeah, good, it's done. Um, and then Ed became my mentor, and I spent six months uh I actually went and met Ed I was such a huge fan I still am a huge fan and, and we're good friends now and it's it's kind of surreal um he comes and speaks at some of my events and we hang out every now and then and um you know it, it's uh, it's it's quite amazing I spent so many weeks watching that guy on video and learning from him and now to be able to call him a friend and he mentored me through kind of you know growing my business so yeah big shout out to Ed Dale he's had an influence on a lot of people uh, over yeah, the years great. so uh fast forward Um, so you're making a little bit of money as an affiliate, uh, then, and you've quit your job. Then how do you get, how do you get the girl to get to Chiang Mai? We broke up. (laughs) Ah, there you go. (laughs) Simple solution. I'm going to Chiang Mai. You're coming with me or you're not, but I'm going to Chiang Mai. (laughs) That
0: was a completely different reason we broke up, but, but I was unattached at that point. Right. And, um, money was coming in. Money was coming in passively. Mm. I also had a big nest egg because the, the company that I work for, they got acquired. So I had a bunch of virtual stocks become real. Wow. I did some calculations and this is how conservative I am. I did some calculation. I decided like, okay, if I spend 1,500 bucks a month in Thailand, how long will that last if I never made another penny? And I was like, 67 years old i don't know if i can do this (laughs) (laughs) but but i ended up doing it and um i mean honestly stepping away from the engineering job is which was a six-figure year job not bad at all was also the biggest best career play i've ever made in my life like just joining the entrepreneurial game has has been life-changing so yeah uh, i'm
1: curious about the uh the mindset kind of tricks that have to go on or the self-talk that has to go on to get you into a position where you can back yourself to do that because it's a really scary thing to walk away from that kind of security isn't it
0: Mm. yeah um other than the security part like every other aspect of my life I'm like Relationships or like lifestyle and living in California not knocking California, especially San Diego where I, where it was like a beautiful place amazing mm-hmm. weather But I just it just didn't make sense to me like the American lifestyle of making a lot of money Then spending a lot of it to make you feel better about working that 60 hour a week It mm-hmm. just didn't make sense at all for so for me. It was a no-brainer like it was it, Security was gone, but okay I, I can give that up just so I can have time Mm. And freedom back in my life.
1: Mm. Uh, so, what, what do you do when you're not working? What, what What are the hobbies? How do you spend your time?
0: Right now, these days, like I, I travel a lot. So, I mean, my, my my wife and I got married last November, and our our goal was to go to the United States and meet the family and stuff like that for for our honeymoon. Uh, can't get the visa. Thanks a lot, guys. <laughs> um, but so we just decided we're gonna do a year long honeymoon and just go to like as many countries as possible so we really like traveling into food movies reading yoga uh gym stuff like that awesome Mm -hmm. so you can't get back into the states i can um my wife is having a really hard time oh man that's so shit isn't it yeah it's such a pain in the ass i'm not trying to live there or anything just want to say hi to grandma she's (laughs) 97 and stuff (laughs) Uh, all
1: right, hey, we should probably switch gears a little bit and talk about something that's, uh, you know, I'm <laughs> not that this is not interesting to our audience, but I'm sure they've tuned in because they want to learn about SEO. Um, sure. So SEO, let's talk about SEO. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. SEO has got such a has had such a bad name over the years because there have been so many. And I used to do SEO for a living as well, and I like would like to think that I was one of the good guys, but there have been there's been so much um, snake oil, I guess, sold in the SEO industry over the years because. The end user doesn't really understand it because it's it's kind of invisible and it's you know a little bit of magic. It's not really it's a science and an art. But if you don't understand it, people think you know well, you must be a magician. So there's a lot of people that have spun a lot of bullshit over the years and made a lot of money out of SEO and not actually delivered a lot of results. How right. do you, how do you, how can our audience are all uh, you know consultants? They're all dealing with small business owners. They're selling SEO as a service. How can how can you kind of cut through that and just have a real honest conversation with someone and 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 tell them that it's not black magic voodoo that it's actually a thing and that it can impact your business if you get your rankings and how, how do you kind of cut through the the misnomers of the the kind of the bad name that SEOs had over the years?
0: Oh, yeah. oh, that's a good question. I mean, um, I have a, a client facing agency, uh, the Search Initiative. Um, but I'm not doing the sales myself. I never deal with those kind of objections and stuff like that. But if, let's say, I was talking to a family member and they were asking me, you know, like, like what is it with this SEO thing, and how come it seems like it's some voodoo magic and stuff like that? Like, honestly, I, I like to give people the benefit of the doubt. I think, like, even some of these guys who seem snake oil-ish, um, I think the fact of the matter that is that SEO is kind of difficult it's pretty darn difficult there's some fundamentals that will never change over time like writing good content answering the the answer the query quite perfectly building quality backlinks that kind of stuff but there's so much changing all the time that even i'm confused like <laughs> I, I i like if i weren't testing every day and I, if i didn't have Thirty or more sites at any given time to play around with things. Like, sure, I could accidentally become that kind of snake oil guy because mm. just everything's changed and I don't know what I'm doing anymore. Yeah. Um. But but I mean, I do agree that it is quite complicated. I mean, there was just an algorithm update at the beginning of this month, and no one knows what it is about, and no one's known what the last five have been about, mm. and. All you can do is just look at patterns, see results and repeat what you see working. Uh, But I think it's really hard for people to pinpoint what is actually the thing that's changing every time. And so then you, you find yourself in a conversation where the
1: client is saying, and you know, like I'll put my hand up and say, our SEO is terrible. We rely heavily on paid traffic to drive our business. Um, how, what, what's what's the risk? I mean, I'm I'm teeing you up here because I know the answer to this question. So do some of our audience. But what's the risk in not investing in SEO and just relying on paid traffic because the client wants fast results, right? And SEO is a long game. It's not a it's not a fast man's game. So, how, what's the risk in just going all in on those short term paid
0: traffic acquisition strategies and not paying attention to SEO? I would say you're limiting yourself in the term the the amount of traffic you can get. I mean, there's there's only so many people that'll click on the ads. I mean, the organic listings, even though they're below the ads, are are, are more appealing because they don't have that ad marker right on it. Mm. So there's going to be less traffic if you're only uh, focused on paid, but also uh, organic traffic converts better. Mm. Like people that are actually looking for something and getting served what they believe to be voted the best uh, uh, piece of content on their question those are gonna get better conversions as well. I mean, Mm. I run ads and I do SEO and I run ads to my SEO content and for sure the organic converts way better. Yeah, yeah. Um, Okay,
1: so let's pretend I've convinced my client that SEO is a thing that they need to pay attention to. Uh, The the next question for, well, the next conversation, part of the conversation for me is, well, we're gonna need some content, right? Because we're going to... I mean, really, SEO is all about answering people's questions and positioning you as the authority so that they buy from you. Most clients are pretty clueless when it comes to content, right? So we're in a position where we're trying to get this content out of the client. We're trying to educate them that they need to be producing this content, but they don't have the bandwidth or the skills to do it. In your opinion... Is it best off for us as agencies just to produce the content for the client and charge them a fee? Or are we better off trying to educate them and extract
0: the content from them? Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of times the client knows what they want to rank for. If they're selling, I don't know, uh, picture frames, like they know they want to rank for picture frame type terms and stuff like that. So, If they know what they want to rank for and they set the target like that, that's fine. Go for that. But a lot of times the client might just say, I want more traffic to sell my stuff. So then we'd have to go in and do keyword research. And the keyword research involves looking into the niche and finding out what are people searching for? And then serving up the client a platter and saying, okay, here's what we found. We found different content clusters that could possibly cover your products and services. Here's one of them on picture frames. Here's one of them on picture frame repair, blah, 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 blah. Then you need to go from the client because at the end of the day, it's up to them what they want to go after and what they want to scale into. So I think at that point in time, you just ask the client, you know, which of these look appealing for you? And then we'll roll out a content plan. Great, because that, that, that was my next that that question. question. Let's let's yes, talk about let's talk that, about that, that flagship, flagship piece of content, piece of that, content we're gonna that we're going to produce to attract produce that organic
1: traffic. traffic. Do you are you the one writing that content for the client, or do you get the do you collaborate on it with the client? And what is that kind of delicate dance that you do where we're writing for the user for the reader, but we've got to make sure it's optimized for search? That's a that's that's part of the science and the art of SEO, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, most of the time the client asks us to write the content. And of course, like we are not experts in like 90% of what our, our clients are into, but we can find writers that are like what we typically like to do is we go to Facebook groups and we find like custom writers that have experience in the subject. Maybe they are a home brewer and our client is a, is a beer company or something like that. So we get these guys and they they get dedicated to that site they get really good at it they've researched it they've done it themselves so they'd be those kind of writers so then we have these content writers and they're focused on delivering the content for the reader i mean they're they're copywriters they that's what they do they make it look appealing and they hit the topics and subtopics in that specific piece that we want them to hit after that after we have this framework so to speak of a piece of content that's good for converting clients and it's, it's legible it's it's answering the question then we get nerdy on it and then it's time to optimize and make it good for the robot because at the end of the day the robot's the one that ranks the the site in google mm-hmm. then we're getting into different optimization techniques using different tools uh, we really like in tfidf analysis we're doing a lot with uh, looking at subtopic coverage making sure all the So let's say, go back to this uh, picture frame example. So like we'd have to have a subtopic on the glass and the subtopic on the materials and stuff like that. So all those need to be covered in a way that the robot thinks that we've actually answered the query completely. Hmm. I really like that
1: phrase, you've answered the query completely. I haven't heard that Articulated like that before? Is it is that like that? I miss an SEO meetup somewhere. Is that a thing, or is that just like a phrase that you you like to play around with, or is that something that's well known amongst SEOs? I think it's
0: uh, I think it's a trend right now. So I, I'd say the awareness in the industry is that people are looking more to trends on page one. So like if you're writing a piece of content how well does your content match up against the other piece of content on page one? And does it cover all the topics that they covered? Does it answer the question completely? Mm. So for example, like let's say you're trying to rank a lawyer in New York for some reason, Uh, that's your client. They're a lawyer in New York. They do DUI law, something like that. So, you might assume that they want to talk about all these uh, parts about the litigation process and the prices and stuff like that. But it could be the case that 10 out of 10 of the people on page one are have a whole section on court dates, like when you schedule the court date and stuff like that. You won't know that from your keyword research, you would actually need to go into the search results and see like, hey, there's this whole thing we need to talk about to answer the question completely. Wow. Yeah. And that's, that, that's yeah. what takes time because, as you say, there's no tool that can kind of just scrape that and package it up in a nice little PDF report or an Excel spreadsheet, right? Almost. Um, I would say there's like two techniques that you can do that. You can load all the pages on page one and just look at their H2s. Look at their subtopic sections and you'll see like, okay, these are the ones that they've covered. These are the ones that we've covered. What's the difference? Let's start writing those two. But there's also tools like uh, TF-IDF analysis. We're using uh, Link Assistance Website Auditor, which Mm -hmm. is really good and basically it'll just tell you what are the common words and phrases that are used on the, on the websites on page one, what are the ones that you have, and what's the difference? Where do you need to add those words? Link Assistant, that's part of the SEO Suite desktop
1: suite of, of, of software tools, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's funny you mention that because I haven't come across many people that talk about this. I've spoken to a lot of SEO people on this podcast over the years and hardly anyone. Everyone talks about Miles and, and, and Ahrefs and SEMrush and Atrefs and all that kind of stuff. No one really talks about the SEO power swing. Do you rate that as a, a kind of a, a suite of tools to use as part
0: of your arsenal? Uh, as far as SEO PowerSuite goes, like I'm only using their TF-IDF feature. Um, I played around a little bit with their site audit stuff. You know, it's just checking for like missing title tabs, dis- description stuff like that. But I'm getting that from Ahrefs anyway, so there's a little overlap. Got it. But I, I do really like its TF-IDF optimization. And there's all this debate going on on about like you know Google's most likely not using TF-IDF term frequency inverse document frequency in their algorithm, but in my testing, I've seen time and time again, there's high correlation with the sites that are ranked higher that have do that do have good TFIDF correlation. So mm. that's the best we got. Um, I'm going to come. I'm going to talk more about tools in a moment because
1: a am a geek and I love them. But B, our audience okay. also love to know what, you know, the experts are using. Um, so uh, let me talk about our content. I just want to park here on content for a second. Does qual does quantity matter as far as you're concerned, or like, are, should we be producing the three thousand word or the fifteen thousand word epic blog post that answers the query completely, or should we be producing lots of content that then points back to that kind of cornerstone epic piece?
0: Yeah, so that's a really good question. Really, really good question. Very timely. I think the name of the game right now, since especially August 2018, is really getting the search intent and hitting it straight on. So let's say for example, like uh, we we have a page that's talking about the benefits of fish oil. Like you can write a 20,000 word article on the benefits of fish oil and that's fine. But what if there's another query about like, does fish oil help with wrinkles or something like that? should you rank a 20,000 word benefits of fish oil page or just a does fish oil help uh, wrinkles? And I think the answer what Google's starting to go towards is you wanna be concise. You wanna be the one that answers a qu- query completely and you don't want the reader to have to scroll to the bottom of a 20,000 word article and find their answer. Mm. So I, I think the name of the game right now and what we've been doing and seeing great results is like just, just looking to see what's on page one. How many words are they writing? And, and it's trying to blend in there. Maybe you up them a little bit. Maybe you add 10% more content than than the the, the mean, for example. But uh, it's working really well. It's working
1: really well. Uh, very popular a few years ago. I don't know how long it was ago, but, you know, in the last couple of years, Brian Deans uh, from Backlinko, his skyscraper technique, it, it kind of became a very popular thing. Is that is that a recommended strategy which basically is to take like what's ranking really well for something and just write a better version of it or a more updated version or you know try and basically stand on the shoulder of giant someone who's already done the work with the keyword research and got the ranking and then just basically model what they're doing and make a better version is that a, is that a viable strategy
0: yeah so i i think um i mean i think that's what just happens all the time in seo like if if me and you were to go on in a project and we're like oh let's rank for this keyword we get to number one we how we got there is we reverse engineered the first guy and then we just did better then what's (laughs) going to happen is everyone below us is just going to do the same to us i feel like that's just infinitely what happens with seo in the first place but I, i think um in you know you can correct me if i'm wrong or brian can jump on and correct me if i'm wrong but i believe like the idea of skyscrapers just to make it just a, a massive gigantic post um whereas that might not be the best tool it might be overkill in terms of word count and not exactly hitting the search intent perfectly mm. that said skyscraper pieces of content are amazing for gathering links up so they're very linkable assets people love to link it link to them so they serve a purpose for sure in terms of backlinks and serve in terms of being a a Swiss army knife or a panacea for answering all types of queries. I'm not sure um th-
1: th- that's uh awesome and uh brian dean if you're listening to this please i'd love to get you on the podcast so if anyone listening to this has got a connection to brian dean please hit me up because i would love to get him on the podcast um i just actually mentioned that for the person who writes the show notes for the podcast because they also do the outreach for guests so can someone get brian Dean on the show please that would be fantastic um <laughs> uh in terms of uh ha- so you know if i mean and this is this sounds like an obvious strategy that you reverse engineer the, the person who's at number one and then you know if you get to number one Someone's gonna reverse engineer you and try and knock you off your perch and I know it's a competitive game And it's it's perpetual, but how, once you're at number one or in the you know on the first page. How do you protect? yourself How do you try and?
0: Uh, prevent someone else just coming along and 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 overtaking you Yeah so, it's, yeah, that's tricky because once you're at number one, I mean, there's nowhere else to go. So should you even allocate a, a budget for backlinks? Um, we do. We do still. Um, we definitely do. You still backlink to to our pages that are in the first place. But in addition to that, we'll preemptively look at our content every once in a while. Like I think right now our SOP is every three months. We'll look at our, our main money generating pieces of content and whether or not they drop to number two or number three we'll still look at them and see we'll do these kind of analyses and we'll see like okay are we hitting all the topics that the page one guys have uh, do we still have good time on site are we getting the clicks you know all these kind of things and we'll do rewrites I mean we are our biggest money maker right now in, in the dieting niche is uh, we just completely reroll all the content and we're not we're, we're not doing bad at all. We're just trying to uh, hold our place. Yeah. Wow, that's
1: really interesting. We're um, just going through that process at the moment of uh, getting our top ranking posts and doing updates because they're a couple of years old, so we're just updating them with you know new information, things that have changed, trends in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I want to just pivot a little bit towards the, uh, first of all, before we get into the tools, talk to me about backlinking. Uh, if I don't know what I'm doing, and let's pretend I don't because I don't, Uh, what's the what's the best place to start to build backlinks you said put aside a budget for building backlinks where does that budget go is it is it just a manual kind of outreach building relationships with people getting them to update their post to link to you what's what's the backlinking strategy for 2019
0: okay so yeah small caveat i'm what's considered a gray hat seo i have no shame in the game for buying backlinks like Mm -hmm. I honestly feel like the true definition of white hat SEO, where you just write content and the backlinks magically come to your site. Like I don't really believe in that. Um, and even if it were so spending a little money and getting the backlinks faster and getting the backlinks that are hard to get and the ones that are, have a gate uh, based on monetary value. Hmm. I think it's worth it anyways. The, the, uh, the margins in SEO are amazing. So you can afford to pay for backlinks anyways. Um, so the name of the game with backlinks is to get links from relevant sources. So if you're a website about picture frames, getting another, other links from websites about photography, about art, about home design, that kind of stuff that's related to you. So relevancy is important. There's also this concept of power. So you want links from websites that also have a lot of links. You ideally want links from pages that them themselves have a lot of links, but we'll take what we can get. So there's relevancy and power. And the last component of it, I would say, is trust. So you want links from trusted websites, um, not little spammy websites that anyone can build a comment backlink on for five minutes of their time, but you want uh, links from sites that have trust. Easy way to figure out if a site has trust, does it rank in Google itself? Does it pull traffic? This easy, easy kind of way to break it down, like you want this relevance, power, and trust. That said, you know, like, backlinks is the place in seo where a lot of people get themselves into trouble yeah Uh, back in uh, just one month ago there's a huge wave of manual penalty reviews for unnatural links what's an unnatural link it's again (laughs) a link that wasn't uh naturally coming in actually a lot of times natural links will get you penalized so it's real real sticky ground you got to be really really careful with backlinks Mm. Without giving away the farm or getting yourself into
1: too much hot water, is there somewhere where – is there, like, a marketplace where you go buy backlinks? Like, how, is it just, like, manually approaching people who have sites and, like, offering to throw the money for a backlink? How does that whole scene work?
0: Yeah. So the the more purest way of achieving or gathering backlinks would be called outreach. So. Yeah finding out contact information of websites you want links from and offering some kind of value exchange. Maybe you write a piece of content for their blog mm-hmm. and in that piece of content, this is kind of an un- understood trade-off is that yeah. you're going to put a backlink to one of the sites that you own, but they get content in return. That's called guest posting. Yep. And there's also stuff like you can go for link insertion saying like, Hey, I read this piece of content of yours. It looks like you, um, you know, like you're linking to something that, Uh, Is is a a page that expired or maybe you're you're linking to an out-of-date piece of content. Here's mine It's more up-to-date. We'd really appreciate it. Mm. This is like examples of outreach Um, And then obviously there's there's always gonna be ways to shortcut the whole process. You can buy backlinks There's different types of paid backlinks you can get. I mean, I have a service called Authority Builders Mm. which provides exactly what I was talking about before links with power relevance and trust so Mm. there are places where you can just pop in and get them on demand.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, We get emails on a daily basis from people who want to guest post on our blog and who want us to update links. Uh, We haven't gone down that road yet. The guest posting kind of appeals to me because it gives us content. Um, Mm. But... Um. I don't know, the jury's still out, and I think we just need more resources internally to handle those requests and to really leverage the content that these people are gonna be producing for us. Um, All right, let's pivot. I know I'm conscious of everyone's time, but I do wanna talk a little bit about the tools. Uh, What are, if I'm I'm like listening to this podcast, I'm like, right, man, this sounds awesome. I want this kind of lifestyle. I wanna go and live in Chiang Mai with Matt Diggity and hang out at the SEO backlink conference, which we're gonna talk about in a moment. Um, um, then uh, I'm going to start my SEO business. What are the like the three or four
0: tools that I'm going to need to have in my toolkit from day one? Okay, all right. So let's just look at my toolbar right now. I'd, I'd say Ahrefs, A H R E F S, is kind of like my Swiss Army knife right now. It's doing backlink checking, does content analysis, content research. Um, you can analyze competition. It's quite quite powerful. They're they're kicking butt. Um, other than that, you're going to need a rank tracker. Mm-hmm. You're going to need something to keep track of what your how your progress is doing over time. Mm-hmm. I'm using Accuranker right now mm. just because I saw an AppSumo deal and it got like a billion licenses from for lifetime. <laughs> um, but turns out they're quite good. Also, uh, Pro Rank Tracker is another alternative. Then um, beyond that, uh, you know, the, I mean, like I mentioned before, I'm using Website Auditor for TFIDF analysis. Um, I'm, I'm using a tool now called surfer SEO um, they're kind of new on the scene they are really clever they they analyze the serps uh, the top 10 results and they'll they'll show you trends on what is uh, like like the word count per position the uh, amount of heading heading characters so like the amount of subtopics they have on the page common words hmm. amongst uh, the top pages so it's like kind of serves them up really nicely so you can see trending on page one there's other great tools that do that too quora and pop page optimizer pro um those are i would say get one of those three surfer quora or pop um they're they're pretty pretty damn handy hmm. and other than that like Ahrefs is i, I honestly if HRS or maybe even like an alternative to Ahrefs, maybe um honestly yeah just Ahrefs. if HRS didn't exist my my life my SEO workload would probably be twice as difficult. Wow,
1: awesome! Okay, there's a whole list there. We're going to put in the show notes: AHRS, Acuranker, Pro Rank Tracker, the SEO Power Suite, Surfer SEO. Is that what it is? Surfer Surfer SEO Quora. How do you spell Quora?
0: C-O-R-A.
1: C-O-R-A, not to be confused with Quora, the question and answer website. Quora and Page Optimizer Pro. All right, we're going to stick all them in the show notes. Um, now, talk to me about the conference, the SEO conference in Chiang Mai. What's it called? When is it? How do people get involved?
0: The SEO conference in Chiang Mai is called the Chiang Mai SEO conference. We have very trouble a very, over here. Very cryptic. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, um, this is our third year. Um, the past two years, it's been a blessing. We sold out every time this year. We're, we're looking to sell out again. Uh, it's in Chiang Mai and it's on the 14th and 15th of November. What I can say is unique about this conference is it's not a conference that agencies will send their VAs and their secretaries to, to take notes. This is a conference full of entrepreneurs, thought leaders, uh, agency owners, super affiliates. Like this is a high level conference Mm -hmm. and it attracts high level speakers. Great networking. We have a fun time. We party a little bit, sometimes a lot, Um, but it's it's a really good time, and it's a full week long. Like we start on Monday and it ends on Friday, and it's it's become quite a nice culture too. Awesome. And where do people find out more about that?
1: ChiangmaiSEOConference.com. Awesome. If you search Chiang Mai SEO Conference, I guarantee the SEO on that site will be pretty good and should come up in the search rankings. It's, it's all right.
0: <laughs> and you've also got a course, did I see a course that you've got called Backlink Blueprint or something? No, that's a free lead magnet. Um, got it. Like, yeah, it's just a PDF I got on my site. If you want to learn more about, like, my approach to SEO, it's diggitymarketing.com. Mm-hmm. Everything that I do is test-based. That's the engineer background for myself. So I don't, mm-hmm. I don't really theorize about stuff. I'll actually perform tests. So in my blog, it's just chock full of, like, what I found from actual experience mm-hmm. and single variable testing and stuff like that. So if you're into nerdy stuff, that's a good place to go. Diggitymarketing.com. Yeah. Fantastic. Matt Diggity,
1: this has been uh, an absolute pleasure having you on the show. I've learned a lot. I know this has been great for our audience and uh, thank you very much for your time and I look forward to keeping in touch. Appreciate it. Take care. Thanks, gang. That's another episode of the WP Elevation podcast. Please subscribe over on iTunes at wpelevation.com slash iTunes. Hit us up on YouTube and Facebook. Leave us a rating and a review on iTunes, by the way, because it really does help us come up in the search results. Uh, I look forward to speaking with you again very soon on the podcast. Until then, I'm Troy Dean. Go Elevate.